You're listening to the Desperation Podcast, a generation in desperate pursuit of God. www.desperationonline.com. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9 is a famous scripture. Uh, it's one that, that I think we pray frequently in the prayer meetings. I know that I've probably heard it over the last seven years in this prayer meeting multiple times because it has phenomenal imagery. And a lot of times phenomenal imagery uh, becomes a great prayer. And you're familiar with it. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9. Let me read it for you. It says, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire. Say fire. Shut up in my bones. Oh, that was great. I said, say fire, then I said, shut up. All right. <clears throat> but his, his word was in my heart like a burning fire. Say fire. Shut up in my bones. A fire shut up in my bones. Fuego. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. So here's Jeremiah the prophet, and he's literally talking here about the word of God coming alive so strongly in him that he cannot help but keep declaring it. That the word of God is so in him that he can't help but declare it, herald it, say it, mean it. And when all of his peers are coming around and saying, here comes the guy that's saying doom and gloom is coming. Here's the guy that is a real damper on our party. Jeremiah says, even when I tried to restrain myself... The nature of the fire that burns within me is so strong, it's so overwhelming that there's no possible way that I could stop. It's in my bones. It's a kind of an Old Testament terminology, in my bones, meaning it's in me. It can't be taken from me. It's a part of my core. And I, I, I love this idea. I love this idea because all of us are committed to having this be our testimony. The nature of you being in 24-7 or you being in the furnace, you being here tonight, you're the kind of person that's probably either prayed this prayer or said amen to somebody that has. You've got within you this hunger and this desire to have that. But one of the things that we all know is that in our journey in God, it is so easy to have this be alive in our bones, a part of our core, in a prayer meeting, maybe at a conference, maybe at a youth camp, maybe every once in a while, and the sustaining of hunger, the sustaining of shut up in my bones is difficult. To take every day. It's difficult to have when there's a thousand things over Christmas break that are going to try to allure you to the ways of sloth. It's hard to have in you when you're 10 years from now beginning to panic about money, cars, houses, children, retirement, education. Do you have enough? There's so many things that will come and try to get the fire that was once in your bones to be a little tiny flicker rather than a large blaze. Tonight I want to talk about one of the ways to maintain a burning heart. Surely there's lots of them, but I, I want to talk about specifically the nature of the Word of God, the Bible, the Scriptures. The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for 
want to talk about the Bible tonight. Let me, uh, let's turn to Luke chapter 24. We'll start in verse 13. This is one of my favorite scriptures. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. I'll start in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. So Jesus has died. We're about to see that he's risen from the dead. These guys that he's going to run into don't know that. And Jesus is going to appear to them. Let's start over. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles. Only seven miles, 24-7 said? Psh, child's play. About seven miles from Jerusalem. It's 19.2 miles, too short, right? They were, talking, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. That's bizarre, isn't it? I mean, here he is. He's just died on the cross. He's probably, you know, the most famous person in Israel. He's had over 5,000 at his meetings. And they don't recognize him. I, I personally find that intriguing. I think it's interesting to think about what our resurrected bodies are going to be like and the fact that they don't recognize Jesus. I don't know. I'm hoping to be eight foot tall in the second age. But anyway, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood, they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? Which is actually ironic because Jesus here as the resurrected Christ is really the only one that does know what's happened in these days. What things, Jesus asked. I, that's an intriguing little window into Jesus' personality. You know, I know what do you think has been going on, fella? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped, interesting, but we, something that, that is kind of alive inside of you, it kind of becomes almost like a, for me, even kind of like a treasure map, where it's like, wait a minute, God, and this is, uh, you're going to think this is principles of the furnace, and it does have some of that in it. I remember as a college student, all of a sudden being surprised how often how often whenever God entered the mix, fire analogies started. I know that's funny. But I remember being like, your eyes, it says his eyes are like fire, you know, when God sends fire from heaven. Did not our hearts burn within us? He came to Moses in a burning bush. And just, it became this kind of weird little quest to find fire in the Bible. It's in there a lot. Some of you guys, you can, you, you can start on a theme. One of my favorite things is to get on a theme and say, Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to me through this idea and you'll find different themes in the scriptures and then you'll be reading through totally on a separate study. Maybe it's a book study or something like that and you'll find that theme and you, it'll, 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 it'll percolate. It'll come alive and you'll go, ooh, that's connected to that and that's connected to that. And, oh, I see it. And you're like, yeah. You go, I like this. Thank you, God. Thank you, I got a little bit of a, of a revelation there. And one of the things, in addition, is, is when you have a consistent search in the, in the Bible, come alive, try this. Just try it as a grand experiment. You'll be surprised how some, keeping the Bible as an anchor, how other things 
in your life tend to point to some biblical realities that you're currently praying or studying. I'm amazed often how, how, how many times worship songs that formerly were just desperation band songs to me, if I'm studying a specific idea or a specific scripture, how much they pop out. How much it just kind of comes alive. And I'll give you a new one, one that the Lord's teaching me right now, is praying the scriptures and then asking God to give you dreams about the scriptures. I know bizarro people that have literal, like, they'll say, as they're having conversation, they'll talk about a dream, like a Habakkuk 1 dream. And you're like, huh? Or they'll talk about a dream that they had about Isaiah 62. And I remember kind of hearing people talk like that and at first thinking they're nuts until, until you start to think about what you spend your time meditating on, you start to have dreams about, right? That's why a lot of you are having dreams about the Sooners, right? Now, whatever you think about, you start to have dreams about. Now, here's, here's what I want to encourage you on. The Holy Spirit can speak through any vehicle, any natural vehicle that he deems that he desires to. In other words, we're okay with the Holy Spirit speaking to us through a conversation. If Matt Timmermeyer and I are having a conversation, most of you are okay with if I said, you know, Matt was talking to me and I just felt like the Lord was saying, you wouldn't even think that's weird, would you? Why? Natural conversation is part of natural life and the Holy Spirit will use that. Are you with me? Or if I said, hey, I was just, you know, watching the last of the Mohicans and the Lord spoke to me as the... You know, people ran through the rivers and streams. And the Lord began to speak to me about running through streams like I'm, you know, hungry for God and water, you know, or whatever. You'd be like, cool. I like that, okay? Natural deal. Well, in the same sense, if you even take dreams as natural, yes, but then add on top of that Acts 2, where, which is a fulfillment of Joel 2, which says, in the last days... The Holy Spirit says ahead of time in the word of God, I want to give dreams. So then you take the fact that you've been asking the Lord to reveal Revelation 5 to you. And all of a sudden you have a dream about it. You know what happens? You get up, you record it, you know, you write it in your journal or you, you know, you put it on your laptop and you pray it back to God. And all of a sudden you've had a personal encounter with Revelation 5 and all of a sudden you're going, whoo! I like you, God. That's cool. You're kind of going, wait a minute. What started as a meditation on the scriptures turned into a dream. And now that dream has like personal uh, experience for me. And there's double zip on it. I don't know if that makes sense. But there's double yeah on it. I don't know. I just, I, I found that when we will say, God, reveal yourself to me. And we'll, well, the anchor is the scriptures that the Lord's wanting to reveal himself in, in, in other ways as well. Just give a testimony of this. I was um, yesterday watching my uh, kids and uh, my son, Dawson, he's three, was watching a, uh, a Christian cartoon. And there's been this one idea that I've been just praying. It's a specific parable in the scriptures that just between me and God I've just been kind of making it one of my faves right now saying God I want to get this I want this and uh 
So yesterday, I'm, I'm, I'm just watching my son, and the Jesus cartoon has this parable on it. And in the cartoon, they do like a kind of a dramatization of the parable. And the whole time when I'm thinking of it, you know, it's just Jesus talking. I'm always imagining Jesus looking at people and telling the story. But the way that they present this, all of a sudden, I'm getting like answered prayer on the couch while I'm watching this cartoon. And my eyes start to get all teary. And my son, my three-year-old son is like, no crying, dad. It's okay. (laughs) All of a sudden, my three-year-old son is like freaking out. Like, what's wrong with dad? You know, like... And he's telling me, no, he's not scary. Jesus not scary. <laughs> and, and, but the, the uniqueness of that is if you're not praying the scriptures, the Jesus cartoon has, you don't even notice it. I mean, it doesn't even penetrate your heart. You're just going through your day, you know, making chocolate milk for Dawson and getting Olivia's water ready and it does not even touch your brain. But when you're praying it, saying, God, let it come alive to me and it jumps out at you, then all of a sudden, what for a lot of other people would just be routine, day-to-day, mundane, where's God in my humdrum life? The Lord's speaking to you through a cartoon. And what'll happen is, is as you study the scriptures, you'll be surprised as this starts to happen in your own journey where you will start to get ideas and the Bible will come alive to you. And the funny thing is, is that usually it's things you already know. It's already things that with your brain, head knowledge already exists. But instead of it being head knowledge that you learned in vacation Bible school, it becomes alive inside of you and you start to have it like a fire in your bones. And indeed, you can't shut up about it. So inevitably what happens is you go to your friends Maybe it's your accountability group or someone in your team. And you start to talk about it and you'll get one of two responses. Either you'll have the person with the glazed smile that's like telling you how wonderful that is and there is no connection with them at all. But because of Christian politeness, they're smiling. Oh yeah, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, that's great. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. You know, it's... They, they, they know it with their head, but there's, they're not resonating with you. There's no, you know, no heart connect. It's like on, ever seen Princess Bride where she's, you know what I'm talking about? She's just, she's just, uh, Wesley didn't come for her and she's talking to the king as she walks up and she's like, she's like, uh, uh, he, she gives the, the old king a kiss on the cheek and he's like, what was that for? And, and he's, she's like, because tonight I'm going to kill myself. And he's like, won't that be nice, you know? And... <laughs> She kissed me, you know, that kind of thing. It's like that, you know, it's like he, 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 like she's talking, he's not connecting, but he's got a smile on his face. Ah! Uh, uh, many times you'll have an encounter with God, you'll go to talk about it, and you'll, it's like a fire in your bones, and you're eager to talk about it, and you go to someone, and you're like, dude, you're not going to believe this, but listen, the Lord's speaking to me on Matthew 7, and Matthew 7 and is about, you know, it's, it's, it's about like building on the sand, and, and, and they're like, ah, isn't that nice? But realistically, you could be saying, I'm going to kill myself, and they're going, it's gonna, there's no connect in terms of their heart. It's just a, poli- a polite Christian smile. Mm-hmm. Or you go to talk to someone and you start to talk about it and their eyes light up and they're right there with you. 
because instead of head knowledge, there's heart revelation, and it's been a living flame within them at some point in their journey too. I'm not saying that necessarily it's the thing that the Lord's highlighting, but at some point in their journey, they've connected with that. I see it all the time with, uh, with uh, desperation, at desperation conferences where we've got the furnace you know, down front praying for kids, and you've got other kids praying for kids, and there'll be, there'll be students that all of a sudden, they're like, God loves me. And there are some times where the furnace kid looks at him and it is like, yeah, it's true. It's, yeah, and you could t- it's alive in them. And there's other times where it's still head knowledge. And they look at him like, duh. You know, John 3, 16. <laughs> Jesus loves me, don't you know? been hearing this since we were kids one has a living encounter a reality that's true it's a part of, it's in their heart they've had a, a, a dynamic where the holy spirit has caused it to come alive the other is existing on religious biblical knowledge that doesn't tug at the heartstrings it's just it's just information One is like a burning ember. One is like, did not our hearts burn within us when Jesus revealed himself to us? Whoa! The other is, I already know that. Give me a new verse. See the difference? One's, one resonates. The other... And, and I, what I... What I what makes a, a, a powerful believer, follower of Christ, is not, I, I, I promise you, it is not guys that can quote Greek and Hebrew rules and they have, you know, for language and they've got all these perspectives. I'll tell you, the, the believer who's alive is the one where the living word, Jesus, has caused the written word to come alive. And they have conviction that the intellectuals can't even begin to have heart movement on. You've seen it. You've seen the believer that goes, he's alive. And there's some, something in them that believes it. That it impacts the way they live. Or the person that says, he is coming with anticipation rather than with skeptical hesitation and let's sit down and talk about if you're pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. But he's alive. He's coming. The person that says he heals today, ah, oh, he's a healer. Versus the one that says, prove it. Well, let's talk about it. You know what I mean? A living reality. I know, I, I, I know moments in my journey where, where little ideas went from being something I studied or I memorized to, ha, ah, it's true. I mean, I could quote as a seventh grader, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. I mean, 
Listen, I knew that verse. I was a Bible quizzer, you know? I was good. But it didn't have ah in my heart. And I could tell you, running the furnace a number of years ago, when all of a sudden the idea, prayer matters, came alive. It was like, I could have heard 10,000 sermons and memorized lots of verses on it, but there was a moment where I saw it, where it's like the Lord goes, and he revealed it to me. And in my own time alone with God, it was, it was, it was like my heart began to burn within me. It's the only way to explain it. Friends, inevitably, you go back to your state through the Christmas, New Year season. And oh yeah, there's the temptation to engage in all kinds of not bad things. But there's a greater invitation. The one who formed you, loves you, created you, is returning for you, has given you a job that you're going to do in eternity. I mean, he wants to reveal himself to you through the written word and you barely know it. I barely know it I barely I mean I don't I don't know one percent think about this think about this years and years call it a thousand years after Jesus comes we're still going to be marveling at what was in this word of God before he ever returned you might as well get started now because it has a, it has within it the treasures to woo you to cause your heart to come alive Jesus said in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He goes, you can study the scriptures all you want, but you want to get to the Father, it's about a person. It's about a person. Jesus will reveal himself to you through the word of God. I love the way that Jesus responds to the Pharisees. John 5, 39 he says, you dil- this is two Pharisees. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. Yet, you refuse to come to me to have life. You study the scriptures. You know all about me. But you refuse to come to me to have life. You want life? come to a person through the vehicle of the scriptures. Jesus, reveal yourself to me through Micah. Jesus, reveal yourself to me through the book of Matthew. Jesus, reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know every... I mean, if you, I mean, start off with a study of just the red letters. That's the, that's the best way to start. I was uh, emailing a friend of mine today and I emailed him one question about the scriptures. Just one thing I was puzzled with. I'm talking 30 minutes later. He had written a chapter on it. I mean, it was like, I, I got a, the answer, the e- email reply back, and I was just like, ugh. I don't even know if I have time to read this before the gathering tonight. You know why? His heart was just like a fountain. He'd already prayed it, meditated on it, 
knew it. And when, you, when I emailed him that verse, it was like, why? Because it was here, but it was here. Because it was here, there was much to be said. Fire in his bones. There can be fire in your bones. There can be fire in your bones over John 17, Matthew 5, Revelation 19, Revelation 17 even. I don't know how, but maybe. Just kidding. That's about Babylon. But all of it, it, and why? How? Because it takes you to a person. Last thing. When the scriptures are burning within you, they become like active conversation as you walk through your day. It's kind of like, um, have you seen the movie Amazing Grace where the guy who wrote the song Amazing Grace who is, uh, used, to, he used to bring slaves over on ships and he talks about how he gets like all of these visions of slaves all throughout the day talking to him, you know? Are you with me? If you haven't seen it, then you don't know what I'm talking about. But honestly, when you have all these scriptures that you've prayed and meditated on, it's like little ideas that live in you and are all around you. And when you start to walk through your day, rather than forcing yourself to go back to the Bible and be a person of conviction, it's like living ideas, living conversations that you've had with God are going on all around you. So, you know, Jesus says, then, uh, John 8, 31, he says, then Jesus said to the, the Jews who believed, who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This living conversation turns into dynamics going on where someone slanders, and instead of, uh, instead of the, the, the slandering right back or saying something flippantly, you've had such living meditation, conversation, with God about, you know, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, think on these things. Or, uh, or don't let any wholesome word come out of your mouth, but only that which is helpful, building others up, and might benefit those who listen to you. All of a sudden, those, your prayer times, based on those scriptures, flash in front of you, and it's much easier to be holy. You've been abiding in the word, abiding in the word, and when you've been abiding in the word, it is easier to say no to sin. It is easier to actually inject light into each circumstance. When your temptation is to get your third bag of Doritos, your second movie of the day, all of a sudden, you start to remember your living conversation that you've had with God about redeeming the time, about not wasting any moments, that the days are evil. Whereas if you haven't prayed that, nah, whatever. Everybody does it. Come on, dude. I'm in like a holiness program back in Colorado. My other friends still hung over anyway. You know? And you, you compare yourself to the things that Jesus didn't call us to compare us to. If you compare yourself, trust me, you'll think you're a saint if you default into comparing yourself to others. You're all, but that's not, that's not Christianity. We compare ourselves to Jesus. That means we have to always be moving forward. When you go into, when, it, when your temptation is sexual sin and your comparison is the way your high school buddies, your friends are living, you'll always think 
that you are Mr. Purity. But when there's a living conversation that you've had with the Holy Spirit through the scriptures, uh, I want not even a hint of sexual immorality. Or if you look at a woman lustfully, you're committed of adultery in your heart. All of a sudden it's like, all right, here's where I stand. And it's different. It's different than just the, grit your teeth and watch this. I'm not going to sin this time, suckers. That kind of thing. Are you with me? When cynicism sneaks in, which cynicism is one of the number one things that kills radical Christianity. Uh, let me say it differently. Cynicism is one of the number one things that kills relational Christianity. It kills faith, living faith operating Christianity because it is the mocking spirit of the day. Cynicism is really the enemy trying to deflate your faith and it's everywhere it's present it's present every time you mock someone that's really trying to go for it it's present every time that you belittle believers that are pressing it is it, 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 it is amazing how much it exists in our culture and if you if you hold the line for abandonment you will have cynics and mockers rise up. And you know what that's like. You will know what it's like to go home, to say, here I stand, and you're in Wisconsin, or you're in Pennsylvania, or you're in Iowa, or you're in Texas, and you're saying, I'm going to get along with God. I'm not going to do this. I am going to do this. And you know the old high school tribe that will be filled with cynicism and mockery. Whether it's to your face or not, trust me, they will make fun of you. Just get over it. Just, that's part of being a Christian. I mean, that's, sorry, I'm getting excited here. That's actually considerate pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Jesus says in Matthew 5, he goes, like it when they persecute you. That's good. You're winning favor with me. If they don't, you probably aren't burning very bright. If they don't, realistically, there's a chance that your life doesn't look much different than the rest of the world. I'm done. Let's pray. It's 8.05. I'm going to stop. Here's what I want you to do. I want to encourage you, take this. Take the scriptures. And over this break, read them. Pray them. Take them to the Lord. Let's, let's say you're taking John 5, 35, and you're going, it says John the Baptist's burning, shining lamp, one of my favorites. Just take it, read it to where it's in you, where you could say it. John was a burning and shining lamp. Pray, God, I want to be a burning, shining lamp. God, I want, a, I want a heart that's burning. I want to shine the light of Jesus. I want to shine salvation to the world. God, and then take it, meditate on it. I mean, think about it. Write, write it down. Write ideas about it. Write other places where it talks about burning and shining. Write other verses about John the Baptist. If you will read it, if you will meditate on it, if you'll pray it back to God, if you'll write it down, if you'll talk about it, and if no one else will talk about it with you, if you can't find another burning ember that's like gets excited about it, blog about it. 
tell your laptop about it. Go be a shining light on the web. I don't care. People will read it. It's amazing. Searches take you lots of places. Go blog it. Go just write about it. Go email it to a friend. And here's another one. And this, I know it's going to think I'm weird on this. Just try me. If I'm wrong, give you 50% of your tuition back. Just kidding. That won't happen. Here it is. Ready? Sing it. I mean, just... I, now, I'm a horrible singer. Everybody in the DI program knows that. But if you will sing it, just look... Just look my, my brother-in-law and I were talking about this over uh, Thanksgiving. He was talking... He was saying, how much are you singing the scriptures? And I'm looking at him going, huh? No, no, no. I'm, I run prayer meetings. We have a worship leader for that. Now, how much are you singing it? So I'm on this little grand experiment right now. I'm inviting all of you into it. Let's try it over Christmas break. Sing the scriptures. Whether you're a singer or not, just you and God. And it, when you, because you know what? I've started to like realize when you start to sing it, it's a lot easier to say. It gets in your heart a little bit and it gets a little jumpy inside of you. Like it goes from being uh, idea-oriented to anthem-oriented. To like, that is who I am. This is it. Da, 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 da. And, and, and it's like, it's there. It's like, and I don't know how you sing it. Maybe you're like, you know, let it burn or whatever. Let it shine. I don't know. You know, maybe if it's me, it's not like that. Like when I do little, I do like real um, nursery rhymes. You know, let it burn, let it burn, let it burn. I'm real repetitive, all right? Do it however you work. I mean, some of you guys are going to like turn into, you know, Celine Dion or something. But, but just, just, just do it the way you do it. Take the scriptures. Meditate on it, pray it, write it, talk about it, blog it, sing it. And, and honestly, you may be like, David, that is like way too big. That is way too much. Okay, try one verse. Just make one verse your Christmas break verse. And you're like, I don't even know if I'm going to get anything else, but I will get that verse. And you can't do Jesus wept. You got to do one other than that. I get, pick one. Run with it. We stand with me. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that the word of God comes alive to every one of you over this break. Spirit of God, close your eyes. Place your hand over your heart. God, we pray for spirit of wisdom and revelation, God. I pray, Lord God, for young men and women that can articulate the word of God like flaming arrows. When they talk to lost people, the word is in them. When they talk to other Christian leaders, the word is alive in their heart. When they talk to lost people at the grocery store, their neighbors, their old ex-boyfriends and girlfriends, when they talk to the old high school friends, old college friends, the Bible is burning within them. Jesus, we pray that you would escort us into your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would cause each one of us to have a living reality that this Bible, this word of God, would help us to love you more. We want a new, fervent desire for Jesus. We want a burning passion for God. Lord God, let the scriptures... Breathe new life into us tonight and tomorrow and Saturday, Sunday, 
And the next week, we pray that you would do this. I pray that the oracles of God would come out of us. I pray for declarers and heralders. To, uh, God, and I pray, Lord Jesus, I pray for a hundred preachers to come out of this room that would declare it to the next generation, God. I pray for youth pastors. I pray, Lord Jesus, for people that are desperate for the next generation, God, that are desperate for teens and 20-somethings, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus, God, we pray. We honor you, we love you. And I shout amen. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great week. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.